Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Firstly, welcome to the show, Mario. Hey, thank you, Luigi. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, so yeah, really excited to have you on and um, talk all things around sales and leadership. But before we get into this, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you, how you started in sales, and some of the major milestones you've achieved in your career. Okay, yeah, I'd love to share just a tiny bit. So I've been in sales full-time since 2006. That's when I left university. Um, I started selling software to small business owners, then moved over into commodities, then into heating and air conditioning parts um, for a a national distributor and manufacturer. Um, Then went into financial services, got back into software. And yeah, that's where I'm at today. And I guess some of the milestones. In sales, you're always trying to do two things. If you're doing it right, right? You're always trying to win two battles. It's the internal battle and the external battle. And that's both personally and within your organization. You want to be the best in your organization. You want to prove your worth. You want to prove your value. But at the same time, you want to be the best outside too and and help the customers the most and win those battles as well. So I think sales is is a very unique place to be. And if you do a good job and really serve the client well, you can do both at the same time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. And look, you're, you're a very proactive contributor on social on many sales topics. Um, we'd love to get your view on the role a sales professional plays in today's you know, modern world. Yeah, I think they're actually more important than ever because there's so much information out there. There's so much content that buyers didn't have 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, where the source of truth was the sales rep. Now, the sales rep's job isn't to be the bringer of information. The sales rep, their their real job is to be the designer of solutions and to help the buyer filter out false advertising, false sales, false marketing from what is actually true. And so as a beacon of light or as a standard of truth, their job is even more important than it was even five years ago, I think. Oh, okay, fantastic. So you, solution, you know, you move from the... I suppose the bringer of information. Um, yeah. What's that mindset from a salesperson or a sales professional's perspective? How, so, how does mindset play in that? Well, my, mindset is everything for two reasons. One is you can't come in thinking that you have all the answers already, but you do have to come in knowing that you have the ability to find the answers with your client with a collaborative in a, in a collaborative mindset. And then the second mindset is just like all sales has always been able or had to be able to overcome rejection. So you have to have that resiliency, that grit, because you're not not everybody's going to want your help. Not everybody's going to want you to help them. And so you have to be able to overcome rejection. But that's one type of mindset. The other mindset, though, is more on the service and the curiosity and the empathy side of things where you can't really solve a problem if you don't understand it. And then on top of understanding the problem, you have to be able to connect their business goals, their business alignment with what you have to offer, or maybe even be big enough to say, you know, we what we have to offer isn't what you need. And that takes a totally different mindset that people didn't really have to do even just a few years ago. Now they have to be able to combine so many different elements that before were just a given. Okay, fantastic. And 
We've touched on a few things there, but moving on to what actually makes a great salesperson and the characteristics of a great sales professional. I mean, you've talked about serve, solution. What are some of the other things? So there's quite a few different characteristics, I guess you could look at that, what, it make, what makes a great salesperson. But I really think it all boils down to is if the salesperson actually cares. If they actually care about helping someone, they'll find a way to do it. And it might be different methods for different people. You can't just be the same person and treat everybody the same because different clients, different buyers have different needs. And so you have to be able to be flexible. You have to adapt. You have to change your style to match what they need. And then once you give them what they need and you give them what they want, then you can help them get to where they want to go. And so there's so many different characteristics, but I think the first one is they just have to care enough. And if they care enough, they'll be curious, they'll learn, they'll get the skills they need, they'll develop the presentation ability, they'll be able to listen, they'll answer questions. They'll do all the little things that matter, but the, the underarching, the overarching theme is that they just care enough. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a perfect segue because a lot of the articles you publish talk about, I suppose, the importance, importance of leadership and you know yeah. caring about your customer. Why is, in your opinion, this such an important um, part of selling? Well, everybody needs to be led. If we didn't need to be led, then we would all be where we want to be already. We would already have accomplished all of our goals. We'd already be at our final destination, right? But the journey requires followers and leaders. And at different points in our lives and in our careers, we're both. And a good salesperson is able to do the leading when they're supposed to and able to do the following when they're supposed to. But leadership is really just aligning people's desires and actions with a shared vision. And that's what leaders in companies do. That's what leaders of nonprofits do. That's what leaders in the government do. But in sales, the salesperson's job is to make sure that their goals and the customer's goals are aligned and then matching actions are taken. Okay. And ha- I mean, this is not a scripted question, okay? So how does how do we find out what somebody's desires and goals are? <laughs> um, of course, you can ask them, but if they yeah. don't trust you, they're not going to tell you, right? And yeah. it takes a long time, and they don't want what salespeople have done wrong for thirty or forty years. At least that's from what I've been reading in lots of the sales books that I I read. Started going back to like the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies. All these sales books that were written is they used the customer information, the details that the customer gave them against them. It was almost manipulative, and they found out where the pain was and they magnified the pain. And so the customer didn't want now doesn't want to be as open and doesn't want to tell as much. And so it definitely is hard to get customers to tell you what's really bothering them and what the real pain points are and what the real goals are even. And that's where a good salesperson who is able to build trust wins is when they're able to diagnose, when they're able to tell meaningful stories that help the buyer connect with the salesperson, then they can build those relationships that eventually lead to collaborating and mutually solving the problem together. Okay, awesome. So, and before we get to the point of telling stories, you talked about trust, right? So, yeah. The the, the what's the most in your opinion most important, you know, item that we have to facilitate as sales professionals to build trust. Yes, correct. Okay. And and trust is 
there's, of course, there's two types of trust. And I think some of the best books to read on trust, one is by Stephen M. R. Covey. He's the yeah. son of Stephen Covey of the famous Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. His son is a trust expert and has written The Speed of Trust, which is a great book, or Joel Peterson, who wrote The Ten Laws of Trust. And both of them talk about the two types of trust. And one of the types of trust is ability, and the other is morality or integrity. So one is, yeah, you have the skills and ability to solve my problem. And the second one is you will solve my problem. You have the willingness or the integrity or I trust what you say. So trust is integrity and skills at the same time. And you have to be able to build both kinds. Okay. And in your experience and even in your current role now, what do you do to find, what are some strategies that you use to find great salespeople? Oh, shoot. That's a, that's a hard one because if – they sell themselves well. That's one thing. And that's what they usually do in an interview. But that's also why lots of salespeople flame out or don't do as good as they could because they're good at selling themselves, but they're not good at representing other people. And so the type of questions that you search for or you want to seek is how do they sell other people, right? Because in the end of the day, they're not only selling themselves. Of course, they have to sell themselves. That's the first step. That's how they open the door. But to close a deal, you really have to sell someone else or another company or whoever you represent. Yeah. And so the type of questions that I think help find the best salespeople revolve around them selling other people. So you ask them to, how, why would I hire your best friend for this job? Or what makes your last manager the best manager you ever had? Or tell me about a time a teacher really inspired you and what did they do? So you want them to get to start telling stories, but not about themselves, about other people. So you learn how they sell other people when they're not just selling themselves. Okay, awesome. And then on the flip side, you've recruited salespeople or sales professionals. How do you, you know, what yeah. do you do to get the best out of them? Oh, there's a lot of different things, but everybody has different intrinsic motivators, right? And so all salespeople, of course, they're motivated to do a good job and earn income. They're in sales because they know they have a little more power over their income than if they were just in a static job. So that's an external motivator. And of course, you have to have the right compensation plan. But the real value will come when they're intrinsically motivated, when they have an internal desire to accomplish something. And there's different, I guess you can study Maslow's laws of hierarchy of the needs of people. And then Tony Robbins talks a lot about the six different needs that humans have. And each human or each person has different focus. Some people might crave security. Some people might crave love and relationships. Some people might crave adventure. Some people need that kind of ability to make their own choices and that flexibility and freedom. So you just have to find out what triggers and drives each salesperson and then allow them to enact on that. If, if a salesperson loves security, you have to then let them know that they're secure and let them know and give them the ability to make mistakes without getting punished, right? Yeah. Whereas if they crave relationships, they have to be able to talk to customers and you have to build that relationship. So you just have to find out what their needs are and give it to them. So then that way they'll want to perform. And it's different for every sales rep. There's no one, one, one foolproof strategy. You just I guess that in the end, it comes down to you just have to get to know your sales rep and care. And just like a salesperson has to care about the customer, you have to care about your sales rep enough to give them what they want and need. Oh, awesome. And, and, and can you achieve like a high performance culture and also meet, you know, those different needs as a leader? Um, it takes a lot of work and you have to have multiple leaders helping and supporting depending on how big the team gets. Right. Yeah. But yeah, accountability is something everybody does better with. 
And it just determines, it just depends on how you enforce that accountability and the way you practice responsibility and hold people accountable will determine if they respect and respond or if they shut down and turn off. And, but yeah, everybody has to be held accountable. And if you don't hold account, uh, people accountable, you'll never have a high-performing sales culture. So accountability is a must. It's just how you enforce it could be different based on the personality type of the sales rep. Okay, awesome. And, you know, from a personal leadership perspective, when things are hard in sales, I mean, one of the things about, you know, the world of selling, as you would know, is it's up and down. And what we yes. do today doesn't del- necessarily deliver us the same results tomorrow um, because, you know, customers are changing or, you know, people are different. What have you done in the past when faced with rejection or a number of deals falling over and those, you know, the, the doubt starts creeping in? <laughs> um, you go eat a lot of food. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but that's actually true. Whenever a deal fell through, I would take the people that were working closest on the deal, if it was a team selling environment, and we'd go out to dinner. And then we would talk and talk and talk, regret, have pain, have painful conversations, wallow in our sorrows, and yeah. then commit to the next day, figuring out what we can do better, right? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of part of the grieving process. I know it's not nearly the same as when you lose someone or you have a, a heartbreak or you break up with someone, but it's in, if a sales professional is really committed to something, that loss of losing a deal is physical. You feel it. You feel that hurt. And lots of people say, oh no, you should separate yourself and you shouldn't be emotionally involved. But I don't know any really top performing sales rep that doesn't get emotionally involved with their clients because that's the only way you can actually deliver the best results. And at first, of course, you you feel sorry for yourself, but the second step is what happens next. It's what do you do after that? Do you learn from your mistake and do you change your action or do you just keep doing the same stuff you've always done? Yeah. And the best way to overcome rejection is to take new action and yeah. to just keep moving. Movement cures most problems in life and that's physical and mental. So if you just keep moving, things get, things seem to get better over time. Oh, awesome. And just on that, um, I mean, you've been a sales coach for a number of years as well. Um, how important is the role of training or some external coach from a from a sales pro- professional's perspective? Um, there's probably nothing more important to a sales professional's development than having someone to coach them. Yeah, nothing more important. Yeah, fantastic. I think, yeah, I think if a sales professional is coached the right way, they will always perform. Yeah. And it's the exact reverse. If they're not coached the right way, they very, very rarely will perform. Maybe one to 2% of sales reps can perform well without coaching, but those people will perform well in any industry, in any environment without coaching. But the most of the world, me, myself included, are not that way. We need coaches mm. and everybody needs a coach. Yeah, fantastic. And one of the articles I really enjoyed um, reading that you published was around a great salespeople really the same. <laughs> Can you yeah. go into a little bit more detail about this? So, yeah, that was an article that focused on the ancient philosophers, the Stoic philosophers, and how every salesperson that I've come across that's truly great takes accountability and responsibility and doesn't get too hung up 
once something happens. Of course you feel emotion. That's not being stoic doesn't mean you don't feel the emotion and you don't have enthusiasm and you don't have passion. But what it means is you don't let that emotion control you. You're in control of your emotions. And so the stoic philosophers talk a lot about being responsible for your own life and the best sales reps take accountability. Even if it's not their fault, if they didn't do anything wrong necessarily, they still are responsible for their outcomes saying, yes, this is my outcome. I own it. So I can't focus on stuff I can't do. So I'm just going to focus on what I can do. And that's the way I'm going to take ownership and I'm going to change my behavior so I can get a different result. And I think all sales reps do that. All sales reps in the end of the day are very stoic. Now that's not saying they're not happy or they're not excited, but they respond to challenges the way the stoic philosophers teach you, you should. Yeah. Which kind of, and the reason why I asked that, because it leads me into, there's a, you know, as you know, technology social platforms they're evolving um and there's new you know platforms that are coming every day want to hear you know your opinion on how technology has changed the buying process and what are some steps we can take to use the technology to help us build relationships with our customers and not be distracted by social and all these platforms so it comes back to balance i think where If you go all in in one strategy, it might work for a little while. And if you go all in in one medium of one way of advertising, it might be good for a little while. But if you look through history, none of the best companies ever did just one way to get business. Yeah. Like all the car, the big car companies, Mercedes, Ford, they've always had car commercials, but they've had more. They were in magazines. They were doing other things, right? And so it's even the same with salespeople today. Yeah, you can, you might be getting good leads from LinkedIn, but you don't know what LinkedIn's going to do tomorrow. You don't know what they're going to change. You don't know what Facebook is going to do tomorrow. You don't know what Instagram or Twitter is going to do. You don't know if they're going to get shut down. You don't know if people are going to stop using it. And so you can't rely yeah. on just one tool and one medium to reach your business and reach your clients. So a balanced approach is very important. But if you don't, try and take an approach that to find your customers where they are, you're also going to be left behind. So that's not saying don't use the new tools and don't use the new, new technology. You still have to embrace it. But when you embrace it, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket either. Mm. It's such an interesting concept, isn't it? Because a lot of salespeople at the moment are faced with that dilemma to say, well, you know, blogs, uh, articles, it's all a, that's a marketing tool. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of now thought leaders in the sales space that talk about you've got to you've got to brand yourself, you've got to put yourself out there, you've got to give value. Um, and so, you know, one of the challenges that I find when talking to salespeople is they they're a bit overwhelmed. Um, if they are facing, you know, if you're a sales leader or a sales professional and you are feeling overwhelmed, how do you find that balance? What's one thing that they can do <laughs> to get that balance? You don't have to become a thought leader by yourself is the main thing, right? You can still be seen as somebody adding value by, you have to write your own articles. You can find the best article in your industry and send that to all your people and to share that on LinkedIn and to send it an email or text message or however you're communicating with your clients. So there's lots of ways to do it. Just don't think you have to do it like other people. You can take it one day at a time and you don't have to start from zero and go to a hundred immediately. You can take it slow. And so there's nothing wrong with doing it slowly and, and having a process in place. You don't have to be fast. You just have to take action. It doesn't have to be fast though. Yeah. Cause you, pr- you push out a lot of content um, and you get a lot of engagement with your content. It's not just, 
you publish an article and five or ten people like it. I mean, some of your articles get, you know, 500, uh, you know, a lot of comments and likes, which is actually quite difficult on LinkedIn, right? So where, where do you, you know, how do you know what content to provide to serve your customers? Um, two things. You don't. <laughs> and the second thing is emotion is how everybody makes decisions. And everybody, every salesperson has said the quote, people make a buying decision off emotion and then justify it with logic. Yeah. And at least on social media, even on LinkedIn, even though it's a business tool, emotions get people to engage. Yeah. And then logic helps people agree. So if you lead with the emotional aspects or the emotional benefits of what you're trying to accomplish, you'll have much better results. And so it's not a foolproof system. And there's very few people that unless they're already what you would call maybe famous or already bestsellers that get consistent top engagement. But if you consistently try to add value and do it in an emotional way and back it up with logic, you'll have a much better chance to do so. Okay. Fantastic. And what I want to talk about just quickly, the three key things, if I'm new to sales as a leader or I've been a leader for a number of years, the three key things we must do to get the best out of our team. Okay. Ooh, that's a good one. So to get the best out of your team, you need to understand what they go through on a daily basis. And I think this revolves around empathy. So showing empathy means you, you're trying to understand. It doesn't mean kindness is not empathy. So we're not talking about being kind or helping them doing their job for them, but empathy is just trying to understand. And nobody will ever perfectly understand what someone else is going through. So true empathy, in my opinion, actually doesn't exist. But the goal is to try to practice empathy as much as possible and then you'll understand what your sales reps are going through. Because you can't really coach or lead someone until you know what they're going through or at least have a little understanding. So I think the first thing you do is you have to have empathy. Second thing is you have to then coach them. And the third is you have to hold them accountable. Um, yeah, those are the three things. Yeah, that's fantastic. And if I'm not a sales leader, how do I use those three key things to get the most out of myself? Oh, yes. So you have to... Care, you have to show concern and care for yourself, meaning that's self-awareness. You have to know what your emotions mean. And you can't just hide behind, oh, everything's great, everything's awesome. You have to say, okay, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? What triggered this? And you have to really learn to understand yourself. And then, of course, you have to, if you need to be coached, you can't just sit there and not practice your skills. So you have to go out and find a coach yeah. and hold yourself accountable. You have to set goals and measure yourself to your standards. And if you don't measure your standards, create action plan to get yourself to your standards. So you can be your own manager if you don't have one. And I've been in sales situations where I didn't have a real sales manager. And that's where you kind of learn how to be your own sales manager. And it's difficult sometimes, but you do need to still do it. Mate, this this stuff you're talking about, Mario, is is gold. I'm actually, I've taken so many notes. I'm gonna have to go implement some of these myself. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, <laughs> on the flip side, though, as a leader, because I look, I've had a lot of bad managers, and that's what's taught me, you know, how to be a good leader, I suppose, or not what not to do. But <laughs> exactly, <laughs> what should we never do as a leader or a manager, sales manager? Um, I think. Placing blame on anyone is never right. And not because it's not true. So, of course, you have to have integrity and you have to speak the truth. But placing blame allows 
even if it's on the customer, say if a customer didn't buy, oh yeah, they weren't going to buy anyway. It's their fault they didn't buy because they made a bad choice or the sales rep didn't do well because they messed up. Placing blame, what it does is it creates an environment where other people feel enabled to blame. And once you get the blame culture in a sales organization, it's crazy hard to root it out, to clean it up. Once blame gets set in, it's a, it's a, it's a sickness that never leaves. And so a sales manager can never blame. Okay. If they do that, everything else will be better. All right. So not blaming, going back to being empathetic, coaching, and holding him accountable. I've got an interesting yeah. dilemma that would really, and it's just come to me because I've got a, one, of my, one of the guys I'm coaching, one of the sales managers I'm coaching, um, new to the management role, and he's having trouble getting respect from his team because they're not seeing him do. They're not actually seeing okay. his capability in the sales process. Yeah, you know what can what can he do to work through that? Does he have to go and sell, or does he have to you know what what, what can he do to get that respect so that they want coaching from him? So yes, he should go sell. If if you're not out there going on sales calls and being in part of it, yes, of course he shouldn't sell for them, but he should be with them, right? So he doesn't have to do the work, but just the fact that he's yeah. not even he should be with them, right? They want to feel like I have a soldier by my side to help me in these battles, right? Yeah. But the second is, if he doesn't have the respect, he's just not telling the right kinds of stories. Okay. He needs to tell tell stories where he's not bragging. So the best stories a sales manager can sell tell is stories where they messed up, not their success stories. It's actually yeah. stories where they failed. Those build the strongest connection because we connect more with failure than we do success because most of us feel we're not where we want to be. So he's just not telling the right stories yet. Okay. I've just circled something and put priority on. So I've got something to talk to him about today. Thanks so much for that. Now, I um, <laughs> I asked this, I've asked this of everyone that, that we interview. Sales, is it an art or a science? <laughs> uh, you're probably going to get the same answer now. I think we're all reading the same books, but I think it's both, right? Yeah. I think scientifically the, the brain behaves in certain patterns in certain ways. And marketing executives know more about that than, than salespeople because they know what colors trigger certain responses or what words trigger responses. Just the excellent copywriters, people that write copy for websites and blogs and those type of things, they know what connects emotionally, right? So yeah. that's the science part of it. The, the art part of it is knowing what to say when based on the responses of the customer and knowing when to push and when not to push. And that comes down to an art, but that art is really founded on curiosity and, and compassion where, okay, if I really want to help this person, what do I have to say? Not what do I have to say to sell this person, but what will help this person the most at this moment? And that's the art side of it. It's for different people, it's different things. And you're going to have to kind of craft your message on the go, on the fly. And that you can only do that really well if you've practiced quite a bit. And that practice comes down to science of how you practice and who you practice with and yeah. the repetition of it over and over again to give you the freedom and the tools to to be an artist, right? Yeah, that space repetition is so important, um, especially yeah. in our line of work. So. Now, what biggest influence in your career and why? Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, I guess there's di at different points in your career, you have a different influencer. Yeah. Um, I would say my initial motivation and how I got into sales, of course, was for my mother and my family. That was the, the focus and that was the initial reason why I said, hey, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be excellent at it because I need to 
to pay back and to be respectable and to help where I can because I was grateful for the chances and opportunities I've been given. And then once I got married and had a family, it's so I can be the best I can be to support my wife and my children. And I want to prove to them everything that I believe and be an example to them and not just um, what Larry Levine likes to call an empty suit. I want to fill the magnitude of my potential. And I think that's for my family now is kind of my, so I guess it's always been family. It just depends on how, which stage of life I'm at determined my biggest influence. But on the sales specific side, I've had a lot of great sales mentors in my life. Um, Victor Antonio has been yeah. a great one that I've, I actually got to work with him personally. My first sales job at a university, I worked with him quite a bit personally. Wow. So I, I sold with, him. he was from the front of the room, a platform speaker. And I was in the back of the room selling to the small business owners after they listened to Victor speak. And so it was a great learning opportunity to learn from one of the greatest salespeople ever to exist. And his concern and compassion and, and care he showed for the, for the individual helped me to develop that as well. And throughout time, I've had great sales managers from Peter Alexander to, um, they had lots of different Darius, um, Brock and lots of these, these different people that worked with me, Ted Ong, all these different sales managers that I've had that now I look back on and say, wow, I really was lucky to have these people that tried to train me and teach me. Yeah. And I love Victor Antonio. I mean, it, it oozes out of him. You talk about care, um, completely yeah. oozes out of him, which I love it. Um, if you could go back in time, do it all over again in your career, what would you do differently? Um, that's a great question. So I'm at where I'm at because of every step along the way. And I don't have, if I didn't have those steps and I, I took a few missteps probably, but if I didn't have those steps, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So it's hard to say what I would do differently, but as far as on a personal level, I would have, I probably would have started my own business sooner. So right now I'm still part of a, a startup where we are a small company. There's only 30 people in the whole company and it's a really exciting time. We're this technology startup. But before I got involved in this company, I started my own little consulting business where I'd help small businesses develop their sales strategy so they could scale. Right. Yeah. And I probably would have done it sooner, but that, but that feeling of being an imposter say, Hey, I haven't achieved yeah. enough success yet stopped me from taking action sooner. And then when I did take action, I'm like, man, I could have done this five years ago, right? <laughs> Why did I wait so long? So that's kind of, I guess the only thing I would have changed is I would have started helping people on not just in a sales side of things, but outside of my professional career sooner. Yeah, okay, awesome. And um, yeah, that's, 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 that's really good. And now we've talked about, you know, characteristics of great salespeople, um, what do you do to find great people, how leadership plays a role. For before we tell people where they can find a bit more about you, what is one thing our listeners should immediately implement right now that will make them a better sales professional and leader? Um, so Mel Robbins, she's not a sales trainer, but she's an international bestseller, motivational speaker, leadership coach type person. And her five second rule is probably the best thing a salesperson could start doing today. And basically anytime you have something you do, you want, you're supposed to do and you don't want to do it, you just count to five backwards. So you count from five, go down to one. And at one, you blast off like a rocket out of your chair or onto your computer and just do whatever you have to do. So if you've been meaning to write that blog and you, you've been like putting it off for a week, you just sit down close your eyes, count five, four, three, yeah. two, one, and you just start writing. It changes your brain. She has a lot of neuroscience in her book, The Five Second Rule of Why You Do It. But if you have a customer you're, you've been 
afraid to call because the last time you called them, they asked you some hard questions and you didn't know how to answer them. You just shut your eyes, count to five to one. And you, as soon as you hit one, you pretend you're a rocket ship and you take off and you have to go do what you have to do. And it really works when you, when you don't want to go to the, when you don't want to go to the gym, you just say, screw it. I'm going to put on my shoes and then I'm going to count yeah. five to zero and you just go. And that becomes a trigger and habits are developed by triggers. And that counting backwards can become a trigger to do anything that you're not doing that you should be doing and you know you should be doing. So I would say implementing that is the number one thing sales reps can do to start taking action. Okay, awesome. Well, I've got two books I need to buy, The Ten Laws of Trust and The Mel Robbins. <laughs> so I'll be jumping on Amazon Great. straight after this. So thanks, mate. Now, um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed today. So can you maybe tell our listeners where they can find um, you know, more about you and get, get onto your blog, et cetera? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm the only Mario McCracken <laughs> in the entire world, um, especially with an E, M-A-R-E-O. Yeah. Um, my name's spelled a little differently. And MarioMcCracken.com, I write every single day. I have for about two years now, so I publish something every single day on MarioMcCracken.com. But my but LinkedIn is where if they want to get a hold of me, that's the best place. Awesome. Well, I'm finally, uh, you know, I'm proud to say there's a Mario and Luigi on a podcast together. So that's um, yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> well, mate, I've really enjoyed today. So uh, appreciate um, your thoughts on this, and uh, maybe next time we can we can find a different topic to chat about. Hey, thanks, Luigi. I really appreciate your questions and your thoughtfulness, and it's been a great conversation. Thank you. Inspiring. What I learned today is that Mario's passion for sales comes more from his ability to lead and influence with a burning desire to help create positive change. His commitment to self-development is evident in everything he does. He is mastering his craft daily. The content he produces on a daily basis talks about the importance of personal values and how this is more important than making a sale. Mario says, those who care the most sell the most. So after listening to this episode, my challenge to you is, what are you going to do differently? What are you going to do to turn a transaction into something more meaningful and lead an outcome and create true impact? How are you going to show up? What are the habits you need to create to be the best sales professional you can be?